Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. a bell or does it welcome to the morning show with Preston Scott that's Grant Allen running the radio program day 9-11 boy if ever if ever there was a number that's attached to a to a time in our country nine one one. Joe Biden We've been held hostage by Biden's for 911 days. Ouch, kabibble. Uh, it is uh, good to be with you, show 4971. And as always, we begin with a little scripture, and then we will unpack the program for you today. Busy show. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11. Do not let me stray from your commands. That's a, that's a noble thought. Exhortation or prayer. But it's still your choice. The only thing that I can find where God's going to make us do anything is at one point, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Doing it by choice is the key. And it's up to you, whatever you want to do. So, Psalm 119 verses 9 through 11 would be, uh, would be a good thing to start your day with with your kiddos. 61763 segment. Now, today's program, as always, Thursday, busy. Steve Stewart joins us. Dr. Steve Steverson, pause for thought. Did you know that there are some new medications for arthritis for your pets? Traditionally, pets have been given the animal version of ibuprofen or acetaminophen. There are some much better, safer treatments that really 
help pets. And Dr. Steverson and I will discuss that. And in the, in, in the third hour, author Randy Tarabarelli, he's written a book called Jackie. Got the book right here. Public, private, secret. It is a very comprehensive look at the life of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Wow. What what a fascinating life. Tragedy throughout. A woman who, I, I don't know how she made it through what she made it through. I mean, just for a second here, think about the fact that she was sitting next to her husband when he was shot in the head. I, I can't even imagine how you move ahead with your sanity from that and so this is a just a fascinating insight into her life so we'll unpack that with the author in the third hour of the show 10 minutes past american patriots almanac open standing by ready to go the Open Championship is underway at Royal Liverpool in England, and it's The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Preston Scott. 60% of the time, it works every time. On News Radio 100.7, WFLA. One of the most unusual visits to the press box this morning I can think of. Snapshot. Boom, 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 boom. Like six stories. They all have to make it. I have to display remarkable discipline. What are the odds? (laughs) I just, I don't know if I'm capable (laughs) All right. July 20th. I'm going to say the words. The eagle has landed. Right? That's it. That, that's, that is it. I mean, that's not the only thing. But my goodness. One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. If you've never seen the miniseries from the Earth to the Moon, Tom Hanks. One episode's a throwaway. I think it's one of the, it might be the last episode. The rest are incredible. And the episode that deals with Armstrong and Aldrin landing on the moon. And who would do what? 
is fascinating. It's a great, great miniseries if you've not seen it. Let's go back to 1801. Farmers in Cheshire, Massachusetts begin pressing a 1,235-pound cheese ball, which they later present to President Thomas Jefferson at the White House. That's cool. Is that where the idea of giving a cheese ball as a gift started? Because, you know, people do that. If there's a little event at someone's house, oftentimes someone will bring a cheese ball. But but now, see, now think that, about this. Is that really still prevalent? Do people still bring... Like, sure. They'll bring a, a bottle of wine well, sure. for people that have that enjoy wine, and, and they'll bring a, a, a very nice... Uh, you know, maybe it's it's the the classic cheddar cheese coated in slivered almonds that you can find at 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 a store. But yeah, I mean, but now the next time you serve one, now you got a story to tell. True. Did you know that on January July twentieth, eighteen oh one, farmers brought a twelve hundred and thirty five cheese ball twelve hundred and thirty five pound cheese ball to the president. Thomas like, Jefferson. What the heck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Aren't you glad I just brought you a half a pound? 1881 Sioux leader Sitting Bull, a fugitive since the Battle of Little Bighorn, surrenders to the U.S. Army at Fort Buford, North Dakota. 1940 Billboard publishes the first pop charts. Number one, Tommy Dorsey Band. I'll Never Smile Again, sung by Frank Sinatra, hmm. was the first number one. Now, there's a that's a record, literally and figuratively, that is pretty cool. That, that, that the chairman, chairman of the board, old blue eyes, Frank Sinatra can say, well, could say, well, his ancestors can say, that he had the first Billboard number one record ever. And then, of course... Um, Neil Armstrong walks on the moon on this date in 1969. And in 1976, the unmanned Viking 1 becomes the first spacecraft to land successfully on Mars. That was quite an accomplishment. 16 past the hour on The Morning Show. Twenty-one minutes after the hour, of the morning show with Preston Scott. You know, there's some really cool benefits to doing what we do. You get invited to places. I don't often get to go to do things that people invite me to because I'm pretty rigid in my sleep schedule and routine, and I don't deviate from from it very much at all. It's like I I accepted a little speaking engagement next week simply because of the nature of the opportunity but it it's a it's a big deal when I have to rearrange because when you wake up as early as I do you're a creature of habit and and getting out of that routine can can really cost you um a lot of uh, in a lot of ways but there are you know, you just, you have people that do things that are so kind. And both Grant and I received a 
an extension of kindness back a couple of years ago this fall, around Christmas time, actually, it was winter, when someone brought in some Christmas chocolate wrapped with Merry Christmas 2021, Brandon, let's go. Now, wow, I've been on the show as producer long enough to see Let's Go Brandon come and go. That well, feels like so long ago now. Well, now, just hold on to that thought now. You you said it correctly. Let's go, Brandon, because right. that was what it was all about. But the person that made us the custom chocolate bars reversed it. Right. Now, you immediately ate your chocolate and folded it all back up. Well, I don't know if I, like, scar- you make it sound like I'm something big. <laughs> Well, you and chocolate get along well, as do I. I get along very well with I chocolate. Think, I think I split it with my wife later that day, whatever it was. So Didn't take long. Yeah. And then you wrapped it back up and kept it oh, yeah. like you'd not eaten it. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, kind of using a box cutter so I didn't rip the paper. Now, you, you and know. I are very different because I, on the other hand, I have kept it as a memento intact. Yeah, and I've, I'm like to that yeah there's like chocolate there's, in there there's sir chocolate in there i can preserve the wrapper i the the wrapper is fine i'm gonna eat the chocolate well there are a couple first of all i just that's just my my nature is let's just hold on to this so for the person who sent it our way thank you um but there's also i mean the reality is it's a typo and that makes it more valuable to me because it, it's really, let's go Brandon, not Brandon, let's go. So that makes it funny in and of itself. But I don't think it can beat this one. Up for auction. A box of Cadbury chocolate. In fact, it is, it is a box of Cadbury's vanilla chocolate. And it has, it's honoring the coronation of King Edward VII and Queen Alexandra. Dang. June 26th, 1902. Dang. And it has, it was, it was given to celebrate the coronation in 1902 of the king to a little girl. Marianne Blackmore, who was nine years old at the time, instead of eating the chocolate, she decided to leave it untouched, unopened, and keep it as a memento. 121 years later, it has fermented. (laughs) Well, here's what's interesting. It's been passed down through the family. Her granddaughter brought the tin to Hanson's Auctioneers in Derby. It was a real treat back in the day. I mean, chocolate was very scarce and only for the very wealthy. So it was a very special gift, and the the little girl didn't want to touch it. They expected to bring 100 to 150 pounds. Which I'm a little surprised it's that low, because Maybe, it's yeah. because the the 
the tin that it comes in has, oh, has the picture of the king and the queen. Okay, so because the tin, it's and it's not just like a plastic or a paper wrapper, the fact that it comes with a tin, now I'm like, yeah, that I would think that'd be a lot more expensive. A tin with a, a foil-stamped wrapper. That's cool looking. If you open it up, it absolutely smells of chocolate. Huh. But as they say... I probably wouldn't taste it. No. <laughs> it's past the... It's a hard pass for me. Used by date by, oh, I don't know, 120 years maybe? Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what it sells for. I hopefully will get a follow-up on this story, but I'm going to keep a hold of it and see if I can find out what the end number is. Let's set the number at 150 pounds, over or under. I'm taking the over. Yeah, I think to the right person, they'll go over. Yeah. I think a couple people will bid on this with the publicity, and it's going over. So we both agree on that. So we'll see. Can't say I'll ever get that far with Brandon Let's Go, but who knows. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Preston Scott. On News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Thirty-five, almost thirty-six minutes now past the hour. It's the morning show Thursday on the program. Grant Allen over there, Steve Stewart in a little bit. Doctor Steve Steverson in the second hour as well. Author Randy Tara Borelli. In the third hour, the book Jackie about Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. We'll get to that in the uh, final hour of the program. Big stories in the press box. Snapshot. This is Snapshot. If you are somebody that might struggle with asthma and you were really having a tough time yesterday when you were outside, here it is. That is smoke from Canadian wildfires that has finally reached Florida. Don't know how badly it's impacting Bay County and to the west, but it's going to move south through central Florida, and it is creating unhealthy air quality for those who are vulnerable. So just keep that in mind. Canada. That's crazy. As you heard in the national news, we have a winning ticket. Here's what you didn't hear in the national news. You let me know what you think about this. Not the fact that 30 people matched at least five numbers and win at least a million dollars, but the fact that it is the second time in eight months a Powerball ticket worth at least a billion dollars was sold in Los Angeles County. That seems remarkable to me. 
I guess I don't know Powerball trends. Well, put it's it this highly... way. Your odds are one in 230 some odd million to win. I suppose so, yeah. that's So what are the odds of, of the same, of someone winning in the same county? Is it is it weird because it's the county or is it, I don't know, it's a big county. A lot of people. Weird. But it's a big country. Right. And Powerball is nationwide. I'm just saying. I, I guess I have no idea. It just seems... I suppose it's, it's odd. It's very, very odd to me that arguably two of the top three Powerballs in history have been one in the same place. Just saying. Just... I'm not... No conspiracy theorist am I. Whistleblower confirms that the attorney who refused to charge Hunter Biden with felony charges donated to the Biden campaign. That's one of the many things the whistleblower said on uh, in testimony yesterday. Donald Trump leads the fundraising for the 2024 presidential race. Guess who's second? Tim Scott. And 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 I mean Donald Trump has raised 22.5 million. Joe Biden 20.1, Tim Scott 21.1 million. Second place. Now think of the money 2 to 1 has been raised by the first two Republican candidates in fundraising over Joe Biden. That tells you something. I've actually got more. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. I just find it fascinating. Tim Scott is almost doubling the money raised by Governor Ron DeSantis. So DeSantis is fourth at 12.24. Republican Vivek Ramaswamy, 9.03. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Came in at um, 4.52. Last place, Marion Williamson had $100,000. That would be my first sign to drop out of the race if I'm her. <laughs> Just saying. Your campaign's not resonating. You can't pay us. Bye. That's the staff right there. Anyway, um, you might have heard Donald Trump mention that he liked Tim Scott and that he would consider him and he might make a great vice president. Tim Scott was uh, made comment on that, said Trump's a good guy, but I think he's a little overqualified to be my vice president. <laughs> Boy, well done, sir. Well done. Look, I, I like Tim Scott. He's, he's, he's likable. So we'll see where this all goes. And just so you know, today, 
Public SQ begins trading on the New York Stock Exchange. So you can buy some shares. Just saying. You can invest some money. If you want to support the effort, you looked up the website. Anything stand out to you? Uh, nothing on first glance. Just looks like a cool kind of new marketplace of options for people that, you know, don't want to keep spending money, you know, with companies and organizations that hate you. You know, it's 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 one of those networks that is much needed. Puts you in touch with like-minded people. Businesses and services... And, and they say, look, we vet everybody before we allow them on the network. As long as they don't take a, a anti-conservative or Christian view of things, we're good. If, they're, if they don't get into politics at all, they're welcome on our site. We just don't want the woke ideology involved. So if that's something you are interested in supporting, it's public the letter S, the letter Q. I don't know their stock exchange handle. You'll have to look that up. And then, uh, not a big story in the press box, but a story worth mentioning. Another female transitioner. Certainly not the first of many. Many of many. Suing doctors who facilitated her gender transition when she was a vulnerable teenager. She's accusing them of medical malpractice and using, quote, unfair and deceptive trade practices. Prisha Mosley, she sought the help of a licensed counselor in North Carolina who pushed her into transition, sought the counsel of another counselor also named in the in the lawsuit, began testosterone treatment, underwent a double mastectomy, names the doctor who removed her breasts, suit names another doctor, goes on and on. The, the details of the agony she has endured are, honestly, they're troubling to read. They're just, they're difficult to read. Her lawyers are accusing medical professionals of lying to her by omission by withholding critical information from her about the long-term adverse health consequences and permanent damage these treatments could cause her and failing to inform her of alternative courses of treatment for her psychological problems and ensure that she had clear understanding of those alternatives. This is the issue, and this is why I personally believe there's legislation needed because there are sick and twisted parents out there that think that this is okay to allow a minor child to go through this stuff. It's happening to children right now. And it has to be stopped. It's the morning show with Preston Scott. Fifty one minutes after Steve Stewart just a little bit. Boy, no shortage of things to talk about. If you are in the capital city or if you follow the soap opera that is the capital city, buckle up because OMG. Grant covered some of it yesterday in the local news here, and uh, the mayor has lost his mind yet again. 
But that's what you get with a consummate politician. That's what John Daly is. He tells people what they want to hear to their face and then does something totally differently when it comes to money time. Um, I personally, you know, I like John as a person, but I would never trust John ever, ever. And um, his decision to align with the LGBTQ movement, I wonder if it, what he would think if his son were... Uh, deciding that he was going to be something different would would john be all just down with the cause and a teacher not let him know he signed on to a thing this is the mayor of tallahassee suggesting that it's just quite all right for teachers to first violate state law but even more important than first violate parental trust because parents trust teachers. It's unconscionable to me. I don't know what he's thinking. But anyway, I'll let him reconcile that with his, with his faith. Um, Charles Barkley, speaking of faith, yesterday I spent a good 25 minutes interviewing Jonathan Isaac. Cannot air the interview until August 1st. I'll air excerpts of it because it was such a good visit. I can't do it justice by airing the interview in three segments. I need to just roll it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick out some pieces of it, play those on the show on August 1st, which is the date of the reveal of the new Unitas brand. And you'll be able to you'll be able to get the products, and they're going to start with casual wear, and then move into the sports seasons. Uh, going to be dropping a tennis shoe, Judah one. But Jonathan shared his story and went into great detail. I think you'll be impressed. But but what what a what an impressive, well spoken young man he is. But I knew that, I knew that going into the interview. And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm contrasting a guy like Jonathan Isaac with a guy like Charles Barkley. And Barkley's entertaining. I'll give him that. But he's a jerk. He's at Lake Tahoe for a celebrity golf tournament. Why he's there, I don't know. I guess because he is a celebrity. But if you've ever watched him swing a golf club, OMG. Um... And he said he just jammed on people that, that were having a problem with Bud Light. I want y'all to drink this bleeping beer. If y'all want to drink this bleeping beer, I want y'all to drink this bleeping beer. I got three cases of Bud Light. Hey, I want to say this. If you're gay, bless you. If you're transgender, bless you. If you have a problem with that, bleep you. Why does this sound like a song? <laughs> I'm going to buy some drinks for y'all. I'm going to buy Bud Light. And I'm going to tell y'all something. All you rednecks or bleep holes who don't want to drink Bud Light, bleep all. Hey, y'all can't cancel me. I ain't worried about getting canceled. Has he not heard that that's, those aren't the people that get canceled? <laughs> but that's, that's the intellect of Charles these days. Oh, Chuck, what are you doing, my guy? 
Because let me tell you something. If y'all fire me, give me all that money, I'm going to be playing golf every bleeping day. As I said last night, if you're gay, God bless you. If you're trans, God bless you. If you have a problem with them, bleep you. (laughs) Jonathan Isaac responded. What does that even mean? And he goes on from there. Back with second hour of the morning show. Five minutes after the hour, it's the second hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. It might soon be referred to as our soap opera segments of the program because we chronicle the stories of the capital city. These become not just my stories, not just your stories, but they're our stories. And joining us is the executive editor of Tallahassee Reports who covers it all. (laughs) I don't know how you do it without counseling every week. Uh, Steve Stewart, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm... I'm perplexed. I talked in the in, before the top of the hour about what John Daly, the mayor of the city of Tallahassee, is thinking. Well, you know, I it's and we talked a little bit before we went on, but I've been thinking about this the last couple of weeks. It, it, it's these virtue signals. It's there's no there's no delineation on topics. It's just I'm all in. But and, but we have an elected leader recommending teachers violate state right. law, and he. And he has nothing to fear from the electorate. I mean, this is something that well, I sort but of, look at the choice we had. Well, that's my point. Is that's the reconciliation that if you live in Leon County, you better find some things you like beyond you know the politics because you know what you're always going to be doing is getting sprayed in the face with this type of stuff, and you yeah. got to just sort of fight through it. If you don't look at it that way, because there are a lot of good things going on in Leon County, if you if you let this decision that Mayor John Daly made define you know your happiness here in leon county you, you need to move and i and what i try to do is you know we write about it i'm gonna i'm gonna ask the mayor about it are you you know i, I you know look i don't know the thing that you commented about it and it's it's very true is that the group supports violation of state law which is they're arguing that teachers should hide from parents um, some of the gender issues that kids may bring up at school. We've already been through this. This was policy until we started writing about it. Um, and there are lawsuits flying across the country. The on superintendent this was shocked that it was policy and changed it. You're not to mislead parents about things that are happening at school. And this group advocates that. Now they advocate other things. Sure. You know, and so but that's I, not what we're talking about. Exactly. And I think one of the things that, you know, Mayor Daly, I think in these situations, why do you, why do you need to do this? Why do you need to sign on to this broad based group that has all that just brings in complications? Why can't you just take your position by yourself? You and, know, and, and I will add joining Dan Gelber, Buddy Dyer and Jane Castor, three of the most extremist illiberals in the state of florida right the only thing i can think of again is he has nothing to fear from the electorate and you know this is this is what politicians are doing now they align themselves with these extreme positions because everybody plays to the base and that's what he's doing listen the uh, base 
that's what he, his base. That, is. But every poll shows that doesn't exist with that issue. But they're not going to, he's not going to lose to a Republican on that issue. And now, if you're talking about the state of Florida where there's 30% independence, yes, that's a killer position right there for someone to take. But here in Leon County, it's not. And if you remember, I think Mayor John Daly came out and encouraged Rikana to uh, ignore state law on the mask also. So anyway, this is again, this is, I owe this to sort of where we are demographically. Speaking of Leon County, speaking of the superintendent, Rocky Hanna, advise us on the development on books and schools. Yeah, this is the same thing. I mean, it's superintendent Hanna, to his credit, made a decision. You know, there's this process in place through state law to challenge books that, um, you know, that uh, contain content that's, that's not, you know, that shit is not appropriate. See, for they're openly groups. pornographic or sexually right. violent or both. Moms for Liberty brought up some books in the library which were pornographic. We've read it. It's ridiculous. Rocky Hanna, again, to his credit, mm-hmm. said, we're not even going to put this in the process. These don't belong in the library. Gone. Gone. And there's, and there's going to be more. Uh, that was just, you know, the first tip run. of the iceberg. And yeah, and so that's fine. They're working through that. Now, there's a debate over this one book, you know, related to Billie Jean King. It went to an arbitrator and they're going to have to, the school board's going to have to take a position on this. And so we'll work through the process and that's fine. But following that, we see an elementary school teacher write an editorial um, in the local uh, newspaper, uh, the local Gannett owned newspaper. And the headline is Banning Books is for Bullies. Well, this comes right after your boss removed five books from the you know libraries that were pornographic. So is that really something that is looking to solve a problem, or is it somebody that is advocating for a specific position? Again, an elementary school teacher. And if you read through the editorial, I wouldn't want this lady teaching. Well, she doesn't have a right to her opinion publicly and keep her job. Right. She should be fired. Well, and the thing is that this is that won't happen. And we'll just continue down this road. And it's, it's you know, I don't know when it changes. It'll, something will eventually happen that will change it. There'll be a third-party candidate, a moderate candidate in the middle that takes a little bit of both. And you have to start to negotiate and compromise. But um, anyway, that's where we are right now. Yeah, folks, just a reminder and a note to that teacher. Uh, you do not have a right to the First Amendment and keep your job. Uh, freedom of speech does not exist in the workplace. That's just a constitutional fact. Supreme Court's ruled on it. Ten minutes after the hour, it's the morning show. The morning show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. Back with Steve Stewart, Tallahassee Reports, the website TallahasseeReports.com. That's where you get news you will not find anywhere else. And you will get true, fact-based, independent investigation. Great segue. Thank you. You've been doing this for a while, huh? Three or four hundred hundred shows? A couple shows. (laughs) One or two. Um, tell me a little bit about the crime numbers because you've got some new stuff that you're putting up on the, right. on the so site. Right, we, so we, uh, we've been talking about this for a you're while. You're so excited, I can't even finish the sentence. I know, it takes time to get this stuff done, but it's this is like original <laughs> stuff. You I'm know? going as fast as I can. <laughs> Come on, hurry up. Give me the question. I'm going to already know the answer. Go ahead. No, so we, we, we have done this on and off. Uh, and, you know, TPD releases a report every day uh, called a crime incident report and it's the reason i like it is because it's it's data that is not nobody touches it it comes right from the the streets to the to the report and we get it 
every morning. And so I just always thought, and in that you get like the, the crime incident, you get the location, um, and you get the time of day. And so anyway, what we started doing was um, compiling this stuff. And so one of the things, violent crime trends are obviously up. Yep. But, you know, you see these anecdotal stories of shootings, and that doesn't tell the whole story. Because you really want to know, is that just, you know, is that something that somebody's flashing up there for, um, you know, to get clicks or do we really have a problem? Well, the city said we have a problem and the, the analysis that we're doing shows that. So on Monday, we, we uh, sort of debuted this um, report that we're going to continue to publish. It's based on actual data. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, uh, it was actually the headlines in the newspaper. We looked at this data over the first five months of the year and compared it to the first five months of last year, crime incident reports. And we saw an 11% increase in crime, uh, in violent crime incidents. But so what we want to do is let people know every week what's going on. And if you look at the last week, we have, uh, we compare property and violent crime incidents to the weekly average number of incidents in 2022 to the current week. Yeah. to see if we're where we're going. And as you can see, last week was what I call a red week. It was over 5% higher than the number of incidents in violent crime incidents were 5% over 5% higher than this uh the average weekly violent crime incidents of last year. Actually, it was 28% higher. And so property crime was yellow. It was between mm-hmm. 0 and 5%. What we want to see is green, which means it's below 0 compared to 2022. Mm-hmm. So we'll move forward on this. Coming in here today, I looked at the report. Over the last two days, Preston, we've had six robberies. Now, this isn't burglaries where somebody goes into a building and there's no one there. A robbery involves an interaction between two people. Correct. A a threat with a weapon or physical intimidation. They take something that you have. Six robberies. Now, if you look at the last two days, we've had 12 violent crime incidents. That's six a day. What's the average? If you look at 2022, the average is what, 21 a mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. So if you were to do six a day, you would be at 42 a week, which is twice what it was last year. So we're this week is not looking good. We're looking at like possibly another red week. And, you know, the reason why I'm so interested in this is because I've traveled around. I, look, I've been to Indianapolis, Chicago, Orlando, Tampa. Um, I don't feel safe in some of these places. And crime for me is having you know kids that are you know in college kids that are in high school you know i've had to tell my girls that are in high school don't get gas after seven o'clock okay and because you see these videos of people that's coming up and holding you up or, or yeah but it's even happening in the middle of the day it is and so you got to tell them what location to go right yeah but so we're going to do this every week we're going to highlight crimes carjackings we've had 15 carjackings this year so far 2019 we had one What's going on? Yeah. And it's disturbing. We can debate how we pay for it, but we've got to have more law well, enforcement. I believe this is a result of the social justice movement. No doubt about it. And the, the correlation between that and lack of funding for law enforcement and so forth. No, I think, it, and the thing is, we've got to stop it before we get too far down the road. Where we, you know, where we're seeing what we're seeing in some of these other larger cities. Yeah, I'll tell you, it keeps me from going to Atlanta. It keeps us from planning trips, and you know, there are a lot of places we won't go as a result. All right, we got more to talk about with Steve Stewart of Tallahassee Reports. Again, the website TallahasseeReports.com. Twenty-one minutes after the hour of the morning show with Preston Scott. After talking about the ridiculousness of the mayor's office, 
porn inside books inside libraries, violent crime. The high water mark of our segments is talking local politics. <laughs> We've decided to raise the level of the content here. You know, and we're going to talk about one of the more likable gentlemen and, in politics. And, and he is. He's wrong about most everything, but that's what Democrats are. But we like him because Curtis is at least, I believe, an honest man and a very likable person. Yeah, he's. Uh, I've known him since 2010, and he is. So he's. This, the story is he has finally filed for re-election. Correct. He's been in the public, you know, spotlight for years, 20, 20, 30 years. Um, always got a, a smile. I, someone that, you know, when you always when you first meet people and you get into a contentious discussion with, you wonder how they're going to respond later. Mm-hmm. And some people hold grudges. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't like that guy. He's, you know, quite. I mean, it's just like rolls off his back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, I am biased from that perspective. I, I do like his personality. Disagree with a lot of things, you know, a lot of the position, but some that I agree with. I mean, you know, one of the things you, I like about him, he, he brags about his children who are at the uh, Loves his Na- kids. Naval Academy. Yep. So, anyway, I mean, one of the things that you see with him on the city commission is that he is just perplexed. Here's someone who is, what, he's our age, you know, he's been through a lot. He's been through things that people of this generation – that are African American will that will never go through, and he yep. d- he doesn't he can't. Sometimes you can just see the the look of like, what are you ta- what are you talking about here? This you know this is not a this isn't comparable. He believes in supporting law enforcement locally, right, definitely. Now he's filed for reelection, and this is obviously the three two vote on the city commission has been there uh, before the last election cycle. The election cycle just sort of reinforced that three two vote. Yep. Um, so we've got another shot at trying to get that changed. When I say get that changed, either side, Jack Porter is running and is being challenged. Um, and then Curtis Richardson is running, and he's being challenged by Dot Emmon Johnson, who was the first African American mayor back in the day. She's got a long history also here um, in the capital city. But she's already chosen sides. She has. I mean, and that's really disturbing. I think one of the things that I you, know, you look for you look for this on the national. A lot of people look for this on the national scene. You look for it on any even locally. You look for this candidate that has a fresh voice that will say something. They'll say, "Yeah, now that." someone that is sort of making me think they've got a position in this they got a foot in this aisle or in this camp and a foot in this camp this is really just about getting power on the city commission so she's throwing her her positions are going to be the progressive side of things um matt low porter um socialist and, communist <laughs> and so uh sorry yeah and so Anyway, we'll have an election. I think one of the things that has been difficult in the process to get positions on is, look, there's this big debate about this tax increase in law enforcement. And as we've talked the last time, the you know because of market values of real estate here in Leon County, then the amount of money that's coming in, the proposed tax increase keeps getting smaller and smaller. I'm hoping that it they're shaving it back. Yeah, they're shaving it back. Okay. So I'm hoping at one meeting I'll say, Hey, look at this. We don't need a tax increase. And that's going to really put people then you're going to have to say, wait a minute, we're voting for a budget that's increasing law enforcement um, you know, by ten million dollars, which is what we need. That is what we need. We don't need a tax increase. We need to reassess priorities and and we need more law enforcement. We spent we spent tens of millions on affordable housing, and that is in the works. Um, but we've got to deal with some of the crime issues here um, through law enforcement. And so that's going to be – and Curtis Richardson, you can go read his announcement um, on com. 
He's not running from it. He's, when's the last time you saw an African-American Democrat say that the priority in my campaign is going to be public safety? That, that to me, is it, it's not about, you know, not that he doesn't care about social justice or affordable housing. Or, he's, he's, he is strong enough to understand what the problem is and strong enough to say this is where it is. I think it's important to remind everybody because we have new listeners all the time that are local. No matter what you think about the raising of taxes, the reason why Jeremy Matlow and Jack Porter voted against it was law well, enforcement. Because law enforcement. They and don't want more money to law no, enforcement. No, they've demonized law enforcement for years, and now yeah. here's a chance to get more law enforcement. And, yeah, they're suddenly very fiscally conservative. But, I mean, they want to spend it on other things. And, look, that's fine. That's the priorities. That's what the election will be about. But it's not about we oppose raising taxes. It's not... It's not that. It's about the priorities. Exactly. It's where that money would go. Yes, exactly. All right. As always, thank you. Thank you, Preston. Steve Stewart, Tallahassee Reports, checking his watch, pushing away from the chi- the, the, de- the desk. He's off. He's gone. Bye, Steve. Back with more of The Morning Show. Preston Scott. This is the way. On News Radio 100.7 WFLA. A little help for your four legged friends just a few minutes away. Dr. Steve Steverson and pause for thought. First, the big stories in the press box, the hazy air that you may be experiencing in parts of Florida, and it's going to move south to central Florida over the coming hours and days, is smoke from uh, Canada, the wildfires. It has reached Florida. And so if you are dealing with breathing difficulties, that explains it. If you are subject to to breathing difficulty, asthma and the like, it is advisable for you to limit your time outside right now. I'm just telling you what they're saying. And uh, the they, the National Weather Service, AccuWeather and the like. Healthy individuals may experience, healthy individuals may experience difficult, difficulty uh, breathing and throat irritation with prolonged exposure, limit outdoor activities. So there you go. Story number two. We do have a Powerball winner. Someone won the $1 billion plus prize. That's either a billion dollar annuity over life or a lump sum payment of over $516 million. There were 30 people that matched at least five numbers. They'll get at least a million dollars each. What caught my eye Oh, by the way, the Mega Millions is still out there. It um, It's tomorrow night. It's worth $720 million. That drawing is uh, is coming up tomorrow, Friday. But here's what's interesting to me about this story. It's the second time in eight months that a Powerball ticket worth at least $1 billion was sold in L.A. County, Los Angeles County. I'm sorry. I that's that's beyond being struck the same tree being struck by lightning twice years apart. That that's incredible. 
the odds are one in 237 million, something like that, to win. And the same county? I recognize that, that those odds drop a little bit, but then they, they, they ramp up when you factor it by two. I just think that's interesting. Whistleblower confirms the attorney who donated to Biden's 2020 campaign refused to bring charges against Hunter. One of the whistleblowers is a Democrat who I believe happens to be gay. Just saying. And they're throwing him under the bus. I don't know if you saw one of the committee members for the Democrats lost his mind yesterday. Tried to redirect. What about Trump? We should be we should be spending time on blah 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 blah. I don't know. I think I think corruption and crimes committed by the man sitting in the White House as the commander in chief is a pretty big deal. Second in the money list, campaigns raising money. Donald Trump, number one at $22.52 million. Joe Biden at $20.13 million. Ron DeSantis, fourth at $12.24 million, sitting in second place. South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott sitting just over a million dollars behind Trump. Interesting. And the anti-woke marketplace known as Public SQ begins trading on the New York Stock Exchange today. In fact, I think they're ringing the bell. It's an alternative to Amazon. You might look at it. Public SQ. Just saying, you might look at it. You might think that's a that's something you want to support. 40 minutes after the hour, talk about our pets next. The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Forty-one minutes after the hour. Next hour, author Randy Terraborelli and the book Jackie. Interesting portrait of the former First Lady of the United States, Jackie Kennedy, and then her subsequent marriage to multi-millionaire Aristotle Onassis. Jackie, private public secret next hour on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Steve Steverson with the Bradfordville Animal Hospital. Good morning, sir. How are you? Hey, Preston. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I want to make abundantly clear on the front end here because I know and have known for a long time that giving over-the-counter ibuprofen and Tylenol, aspirin, things like that to pets can be deadly to pets. Can it not? Oh, Absolutely. Um, these these products uh, in dogs and cats can create a whole host of problems. The biggest one we see is it it can create ulcers, and so we don't want our pets to have ulcers. That can be a very serious condition. Um, but very commonly, that's what we'll see. People come in and have given their pet an aspirin, um, and their their dog cat comes in and they're having all kinds of issues from it. Uh, that can be really serious. And we're and and the usual cause is their dog is aging. They see them start to slow down, start limping, and and struggle with what we believe is something like an arthritic condition, right? 
Oh, yep, exactly, Preston. Dogs and cats can both develop arthritis just like we can. Um, usually it's, uh, it's either genetics or it's some when they're really, really active when they're young, they injure a joint, and then later on they develop arthritis in that joint. So now they're stiff and sore. Um, cats and dogs can be pretty good at masking pain and discomfort, and so unless you're really observant, you may not even notice it until it's really advanced. Uh, and once they get to that point, they need something to help make them comfortable and improve their quality of life. For years, we've used um, what are called NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Okay, that's a whole cla- that's a whole class of drug, and ibuprofen and aspirin are in that class. There are products that we can use, drugs we can use on dogs and cats that are safe to use in them that don't cause the problems that human anti-inflammatories do. People probably have heard of Rimadyl or Medicam that we use very commonly in dogs and cats. Um, There's now a whole new class of drug, Preston. Um, They're called monoclonal antibodies, um, and these now have come out for for cats, and there's one that's been approved by the FDA and will be coming out very shortly for dogs. And with these... The pet gets an injection about once a month, and so it's remarkable how much relief they get for a month's time with this single injection. Um, it's a much, much safer drug uh, than the traditional uh, aspirin type of products that we can use in dog- that are safe to use in dogs and cats. So um, it's going to be a whole new wave of treatment for dogs and cats with arthritis pain as these products come online. Dr. Steverson, do you inject it in the location of the arthritis, or is it just a general injection that just makes its way to the point of problem? It's the second, Preston. It's pretty amazing. Um, but, yeah, we just it's a, a subcutaneous injection, and, and from there this uh, monoclonal antibody finds its way to the inflammation to block the inflammation. So pretty amazing stuff. What are some, I mean, are there symptoms? I mean, is this something that you, you know, as a pet owner, you pay attention to and should know or? or... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if you have a, a, a cat, Preston, um, you know, cats are very good at masking pain. And so they just don't, aren't quite as active as they used to be. So you start looking for signs of, of protection in these cats. Um, they're not climbing upstairs like they used to. They're not playing with their toys, you know, the little mouse on the floor kind of thing that they play with. Um, cats like to go vertical, so they're they're not jumping up on top of the furniture or the place they used to jump to. Right. Uh, you can, these little subtle changes. In a dog, you know, they're not quite so vertical, but you can still see in a dog they're reluctant to get up, slow to rise, slow to lie down, um, don't want to go out and chase the ball quite as much as they used to. So kind of the same types of things in dogs. So these are all signs and symptoms of arthritis. And so if you're seeing these in your dog or your cat, you talk to your veterinarian, and they can do an exam, an evaluation, maybe even some x-rays to confirm that your pet has arthritis, and they can talk about the treatment options and these new injections that will help to take care of them. Good stuff. Dr. Stevenson, thanks very much. We'll talk again soon. Great. Thanks, Preston. Thank you, sir. Dr. Steve Steverson joins us on the first and third Thursdays of each month for Pause for Thought. Preston Scott. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with flying fish. On News Radio 100.7, WFLA. There are things I have learned about the life of Jackie Kennedy Onassis that boggle the mind by going through this book, Jackie, with author Randy Tara Borelli, who will join us shortly. 
live here on the program. I thought I had a pretty good handle on understanding the dynamics, but oh my goodness. I had no idea how big a role her upbringing played in how she would eventually lead her life. Um, It's... And of course, we all, we know, right? We know that, that how you raise your child, your child will carry a lot of those things. But, but there are things that happen as you're, you're growing up that you're not even aware are imprinting you. And I'm guessing a lot of that is, uh, is inside the life lived by Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Um, yeah, it, I think you're going to find this this an interesting visit at the very least. Uh, real quickly here. Over 39 days from June 8th through the morning of June 18th, ABC, CBS, and NBC, between their evening, morning news, Sunday roundtable shows, spent 527 minutes of coverage dedicated to the Trump indictment. What do you think they spent on Biden Burisma's alleged bribery scheme? 527 minutes, which is what, nine hours? Right? I don't know. How much? Let me, let me calculate. How many? 527 minutes. Divided by 60. Almost nine. Yeah. 8.7. What do you think they spent on the Biden Burisma story? I'm just going to give it a zero. You're exactly right. Zero seconds. <laughs> zero seconds. <laughs> what can I say? You, sir, are a sensei. Um, how do you ignore that story? So answer this. If it were George W. Bush, forget Trump. If it were George W. Bush, and it turned out that George W. Bush and his family were working board connections in China and Ukraine, and 17, perhaps $17 million had been funneled into Bush family coffers while he was serving as president, what do you think the time spent on the media would be? off the charts that's undeniable it's just it's just undeniable let's go on a road trip what do you say this is a good one florida isn't homestead down near miami yeah yep you ever heard of the coral castle no this is amazing it is it is a, a place constructed by a man named Edward Leedskalman. And what's amazing is the entire fortress is built of cast of coral. And some of the individual pieces are are heavier than the individual pieces that built the pyramid. Wow. The guy was five foot and some change. A hundred pounds, give or take, and no one knows how he built it because no one knows, no one remembers seeing anybody construct the thing with him. Built it in the early 1900s, 
using technology from 1900s, but it's a museum. You can go see and tour this place. So go online, coralcastle.com. And if you've got time to make a roadie this summer before the kids head back to school, head south. Give it a look. Come back. Let's talk about Jackie, former first lady of the United States on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Show with Preston Scott, show 4,971. Great to be with you this morning. That's Grant Allen running the broadcast. And I am delighted to have with me, as you well know, I love interviewing authors. And truth is far more interesting to me than fiction. I don't do interviews with novelists. Uh, They're fine, but I prefer to talk about true stories, real-life people, people that are people of history, And there's only a handful of people that you know them by their first name. And the former first lady of the United States, Jackie, is a name that is well known to so many. And joining me is the author, J. Randy Terraborelli. The book is Jackie, Public Private Secret. Randy, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Preston. Thank you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Um, when I look through your resume and I see the volume, the the sheer number of books you've written, you've written a lot, though, about the Kennedys. And I'm just curious, when you start researching a book about a person like Jackie, who you personally knew, do you begin with your own research or do you just kind of throw that all away and start from scratch? Um, you know, it, it, with this particular book, uh, I had the advantage of uh, four previous Kennedy books to draw uh, from in terms of research. Um, and I was able to go back uh, over, you know, interviews with Secret Service agents and family members of Jackie's who are no longer here and and try to figure out, you know, which of the stories that I had 20 years ago that I did not use because it just didn't fit the com- the concept of the book in question, which I could use now. Like, which of those stories were would be relevant to a Jackie biography? And so th- that was very key to my research. And then we did go out and find new people to talk to. And, uh, you know, Jackie's been gone for 29 years, and so a lot of people who are close friends of hers felt more... Um, um, comfortable opening up now than they might have, uh, you know, previously. So the book is really the culmination of not only 25 years of previous research, but, you know, new reporting as well. You know, the title of the book, I think, is 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 revealing in that underneath you've got public, and obviously we know the public persona, but the secret side, I imagine that's what you're referring to with people feeling more free I decided in looking at this because this book is huge. There's so much information in there that I learned for the first time. Let's start by just briefly summarizing who Jacqueline Bouvier was. Well, you know, Jacqueline Bouvier, uh, you know, was raised in New York and um, she was, uh, you know, schooled well. She had a a, a domineering mother, a, a doting father. Um, her mom married a, uh, her second husband, Hugh Auchincloss, when Jackie was about 13. And then at, from that point, 
She was raised by Hugh Auchincloss and her mother, Janet Auchincloss, uh, in Newport. And she, you know, she, uh, she went overseas as a young woman. She went to Europe several times. She was well-read, cultured, spoke many languages. And, um, you know, she was just a, a very unusual um, person. I mean, she always, she always sort of had a, a real sense of her place in the world. And nobody was quite like her. Nobody spoke like her. Nobody expressed uh, themselves like her. She was just very unique and, and, and very, just a very interesting young woman by the time she met JFK, which was uh, around 1953. How did those paths cross? Well, you know, in, in, at first, uh, JFK was interested in Jackie's sister, Lee. Um, and, but, you know, Janet, the, the mother, uh, felt that it was time to get Jackie settled, that Lee had more time to get settled. And I say settled, I'm using the quote settled, because that was uh, you know, sort of the way people looked at uh, the, the future of women back in the early 1950s. If you weren't married... Uh, which means settled by the time you were, you know, 21 or 22, then all hope was lost for you, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> and so Lee was Lee was about 19, and and Janet felt she had more time, and so she she urged Jackie to you know move in on JFK and see if there was something there for her, and there was, and unfortunately, if you really think about it, when I wrote about this chapter of Jackie's life in my book, I called the chapter, What If? Because what if Janet, the mom, had not interfered? And what if Lee had ended up with JFK? Uh, and how different would Lee's life had been if she ended up, uh, you know, uh, married to a senator and then eventually first lady? So fate is an interesting thing. Uh, and also, uh, in the case of Lee Radswell, um, I would say frustrating as well. Joining me on the program is J. Randy Terraborelli. His book is Jackie. It dropped just a couple days ago. You can get it on all the book outlets. It's the story of Jackie Kennedy Onassis, and it's a story of public, private, and secret. We'll talk about that next on The Morning Show. Preston Scott. 12 minutes past the hour, author Randy Terraborelli, the book Jackie. He's the author of over 20 biographies, most every one of them a New York Times bestseller. Randy, the the public private secret tagline here, that actually came from her, right? Uh, yeah, Preston, it actually did. You know, she was uh, having a conversation with John Carl Warnicke, who was the uh, talented architect who designed JFK's uh, gravesite uh, memorial at Arlington Cemetery. Um, and it was around the time of her uh, 60th birthday. Um, she and John, who, who uh, was known as Jack Warnicky, had a, a uh, relationship between the time of JFK's assassination and the time that Jackie married uh, Onassis. And when she was about 60, uh, John Warnicky asked her, you know, uh, what did she see in Onassis? Because she actually had left him for Onassis. And Jackie's response to that question was, you know, oh, Jack, you know me. I have three lives, uh, public, private, and secret. And and Jack Warnicky told me, you know, that we all obviously know the public Jackie. Um, the private Jackie is a, is a Jackie that, you know, her, her friends uh, and intimates know, but the secret Jackie was really hard to discern. And um, he felt, and I agree, that the secret Jackie had a lot to do with her her own family members, you know, the, the people in her life. The Kennedys loomed so large in Jackie's life that her family 
the Bouviers and the Auchin clauses were not given the kind of attention or scrutiny that um, historians gave to the Kennedys. So that's what I tried to do with this book. I mean, I think it's really fascinating that people don't even know that Jackie had a half-sister that she cared deeply for, whose name was Janet. And she had a half-brother named Jamie. And she had a stepbrother named Yusha. And her mom, Janet, and her stepfather, Hugh, were very, very important to her. Her stepfather, Hugh, uh, gave her away at both of her weddings. You know, so that, that's kind of what this book is about. It's about sort of that secret life that Jackie had with people uh, that the public today really uh, is still unfamiliar with prior to this book. You mentioned her stepfather walking her down the aisle at her wedding to JFK. Why does she look as though she's going to her own death sentence? <laughs> That's quite a picture, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. I was struck <laughs> by how, I mean, she seemed to be overwhelmed by what was going to happen. Why? Well, the reason, Preston, is that, you know, she loved her own father, Jack Bouvier, and as I explained in this book, you know, for the first time, you know, uh, the mom, her mom, Janet, was determined that her present husband, Hugh Auchincloss, give Jackie away. And so Janet, unfortunately, uh, I hate to say it, but this is the truth, and I got this from Janet's son, Jamie, and that's Jackie's half-brother. Janet orchestrated it that Jack Bouvier, Jackie's father, um, who was an alcoholic, um, she sent some people to his hotel to get him drunk so that he would not be able to walk Jackie down the aisle. And Jackie was so distressed by this. Hugh, her stepfather, walked her down the aisle instead. And though Jackie loved Hugh very much and had a wonderful relationship with him, she really wanted her own dad to walk her down the aisle. But her mom arranged for this did not occur. <laughs> it's really a dark story, and I explained it in the book, but that explains that uh, expression on Jackie's face in that picture. Jay Randy, Tara Borelli, the book Jackie. Randy, stand by. We're going to come back. We've got another segment. Folks, you can tell, I talked about the book yesterday. Now you know why I was talking about the book, because there's so much in it that is fascinating information that i never knew anything about i'd like to think i'm a pretty well-read guy but there's some incredible background and context to the life of jackie kennedy onassis we'll talk more next on the morning show with preston scott And Randy, you you mentioned, and we talked about it just briefly there in the break, you knew Jackie Kennedy Onassis. I'm curious, did that make writing this book easier or more difficult? Well, it's a good question, Preston. I'd have to say it made it more difficult, um, because I've written about people that I don't know. Um, I've, I've written about Grace Kelly and and Marilyn Monroe, and, you know, the, uh, people that I just didn't know well, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. But, and that's fine and interesting. You know, you don't have to know the person to write about the person. But if you do have a history with the person, you kind of have a, a sense that this person's looking down on you and thinking, do you really need to write that, right? <laughs> like, you know, like, really, is that necessary? You know, and so, but because Jackie was an editor, 
at Doubleday, she completely understood that biographies have to be revealing. Um, you know, she edited Michael Jackson's autobiography at Doubleday, and her biggest challenge with Michael was getting him to open up. So she's, she had a way of straddling both worlds, you know, the world of celebrity, uh, of, 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 of a woman who wants to be private, and the world of an editor, uh, who, a woman who is urging others to be open. And it's a really strange and interesting dichotomy about Jackie, but she managed to do both, you know. And, and, I, and so I, throughout the entire time I, I was writing this book, I would think about sitting across from her and some of the things that she told me um, about books. And, you know, she said that if a biography doesn't have secrets, it's not worth, it's not worth reading. And, um, and that is such a stunning sort of a commentary from a woman who spent most of her life, you know, keeping her secrets, you know. Uh, I think she'd approve of this book, and, and maybe in a begrudging way, <laughs> but I, I, I do think she'd approve, because the people in this book whose memories are shared in this book are people she loved so much. You know, Jack Warnicky, somebody that, you know, though they, only, they were together for three years, he was still a close friend of hers all the way up to her death. Um, and, you know, Jamie Auchincloss, uh, who's a major source in this book, was her, you know, half-brother. Um, there, there are people in this book who shared memories with me that really cared about her, and she cared about them. So I think that she, she'd like to see what they, what they had to say. Did she ever weigh in? on the assassination of the former president did she ever suggest that maybe there were forces inside the government that wanted him dead she just did not you know she she did not weigh in um everybody else in her family did though you know her mom for instance janet auchincloss believed that uh lyndon johnson had something to do with it you know and she really went about trying to prove that for a couple of years janet Janet did. Um, Janet actually had uh, friends of Lee Harvey Oswald uh, to her home uh, for dinner one night, much to Jackie's dismay, as Janet was trying to dig into what happened to her son-in-law. You know, she was the kind of person who was not going to let this go until finally Jackie said, you know, Mommy, you must let this go, right? So there were people in the family, in ja- on Jackie's side of the family, who were very determined to get to the bottom of this such as her stepfather, Hugh Auchincloss, who also did his own investigation. Um, but in, in the end, Jackie just felt like none of this is going to bring Jack back. And, you know, she was already suffering from such PTSD over having witnessed the uh, murder. Absolutely. The last, the last thing she wanted to do was continue to dwell on, you know, how it happened. Randy, last question, and you've been very kind with your time. Thank you. Um, without going into a specific, which part of the life of Jackie provided the most surprise to you? Was it Jacqueline Bouvier? Was it the former first lady, Jackie Kennedy? Or was it Jackie Kennedy Onassis? Uh, the, the biggest surprise for me would be the probably last 15 years of, of Jackie's life in which uh, she was the primary caregiver to her mother while her mother battled Alzheimer's. And that's something that nobody knows about. Um, that is a very private thing that, that the family went through. And I write about it in depth. It's about maybe a third of the book. 
Um, and I think it's such an important story, and I, I hope people read it because I, I, I think that this is something that many people go through. And you really don't think that a, a woman like Jacqueline Onassis would have much in common with others, right? We kind of look at her as sort of, you know, an, 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 it's such an iconic uh, status that we don't imagine that there's any way that we can relate. And in this way, I think people will relate to her. Great, great, great visit. Thanks so much for the time. I wish you the best on your book, Randy. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it, Preston. Take all, care. All right. Jay, Randy, Tara Borelli, and the book is Jackie. I'm going to be reading all of it. I've read through quite a bit of it. I've just skimmed through each chapter, and um, there's so much in here that is historic. It, it gives such context to parts of Jackie Kennedy's life that you never knew and and then context to the things you did and then of course the Onassis stage um, but all of it buttressed by her childhood it's just fascinating 27 minutes after the hour here on the morning show with Preston Scott Preston Scott Doth mother know you wear as her drapes on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. I think it's fishy. Morning show with Preston Scott. Big stories in the press box. All right, so we've got a $1 billion Powerball winner. And it's the second time in eight months it's it's happened to somebody who lives in Los Angeles County, California. Come on, pull my leg. Now that's I'm telling you, that's that is so beyond crazy. I'm just going to float this out there. We know the federal government's going to take almost half. 38, 40%, something crazy. How much California get? I don't know. What are their tax rates over there? I'm just saying. So you think they... uh... I'm just saying. They're hurting for cash. Might have... Might have dropped that winning ticket, excuse me, in L.A. County Well, it's for not, a little bit of revenue. Well, remember now, it's the balls. It's not scratch-offs. Oh, it's... There, you, see, you this pick, is you how much numbers. I know about the lottery. Okay. I know nothing. There are scratch-off games, and then there are games where you pick numbers and a money ball that's that's like the, the one that, you know, you got to get all of them. I'm just saying... This is a really good thing for the for the state of California. Now it's not, you know, it's not life-changing money for the government. If we if we consider the government like a person, I'm just saying that with the odds of someone winning that being 1 in 237 million give or take, it happening at this level, 1 billion dollars ish twice in the same county in 8 months. I just, 
but that person who won it can now afford a one-bedroom house in California. <laughs> yeah, two months rent. That's about all you get out there. Get a few groceries and a happy meal. All right, whistleblower confirms attorney who donated to Biden's campaign refused to bring charges against Hunter. Uh, that attorney, U.S. attorney in D.C., Matthew Graves, who was uh, appointed by Biden, by the way, just saying. We've got one whistleblower, Gary Shapley, but now the other, Joseph Ziegler, said there is a pattern of slow-walking investigative steps into Hunter Biden, which included instructions not to speak with him at his residence, tipping the president's son and staff off about ongoing efforts and delaying enforcement actions. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Former President Donald Trump leading the contenders for 2024 with cash, 22.5 million so far. Tim Scott in second. That's incredible. I, I'm serious. That's that's awesome. Uh, Governor DeSantis sits fourth behind the current resident of the White House. Um, and I woke marketplace public SQ begins trading on the stock exchange today. If you want, I'm just saying, if you're interested. I'm not telling you to buy the stock. I'm not telling you not to. I'm just saying if you want to support it, there are a couple ways. One is to buy stock. Might be worth taking a flyer. Just saying. And that smoke in the air, Canadian wildfires. Yes, it's here. The Morning Show with Preston Scott on News Radio 100.7 WFLA. I did it. I got through all the big stories in the press box. Told the first hour audience it was a different day because there were so many little, there were so many stories that deserve big story status. I couldn't do any deep dive into any of them, but they're all they all need to be on your on your calendar, on, not calendar, on your radar for different reasons. But yeah, that haze in the air is coming from Canada, and if you don't have it yet, be grateful because it is it is a thing. It's affecting those those that are healthy. It's affecting. It can cause you to feel like you got a little sore throat. And if you have asthma, you definitely want to stay clear. Have your your you know your inhaler, whatever it is you keep, handy uh, if you're going to be outside because it it's a thing. It's um, my sweet wife was struggling a little bit yesterday. Uh, she was she was running some appointments after work and had the top down to her car and was like, what in the world is this haze? And then found out, and it's like, oh, that explains why I'm struggling. So there you go. Um, <clears throat> this from the Washington Examiner. Six of 24 Washington area headquarters for the federal government are up to 90% empty. Audit of the GAO, Government Accountability Office, found that just six agencies were operating with half of their staff in the office during the first three months of this year. It would seem that uh, workers for the federal government are resisting calls to go back to work, at work. GAO report found that half to 90% of federal headquarters are empty 
and he wants to raise your taxes. I don't care if it's Trump, DeSantis, Scott, I don't care. And I'm sorry if this touches some of you that work for the federal government. We don't need to do this. We don't need to pay for this. We don't need the duplication. We don't need the empty offices. If you can't show up and work, your works must not be all that valuable. They're all working from home, though. Sure they are. And we also know that that is not productive for most. There are some that manage it. Most do not. Most do not. There's no way. Yeah, it, it, There's not a chance that someone's productivity is as good at home as it would be in the workplace when you factor in working with others, um, solving problems more efficiently. Just little things that come up. Just, hey, Bill. Margie. You hear from... Versus send. Wait, 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 wait. End of the day, you get an answer. You can't take action on it because it's the end of the day. No. It's ridiculous. Tomorrow on the program, we got What's to Be Friday. Some good news, headlines from the B, and this. Inspired by my sweet, loving wife. Do you trust the food you are served at restaurants? I know it's a blanket statement. So I'm going to let you qualify it. In what way? Do you trust the food you're being served? Yeah, I'm going to need some explanation. Do you trust it? Do you trust the food? And that's... that's I'm not sharing the horror stories on the front end of this. I'm going to share the horror stories on the back end of it. Are we talking I don't about to... this from like the workers that are handling your food or more like food? Do you trust mass the food, food production? that you're eating at a restaurant? That's too blanket. No, it isn't. Sure it is. Not at all. I, I, I need some qualifying like we're talking about customer service. We're talking about mass food production. It doesn't matter because the end product is what's served to you. Do you trust it? For whatever the reason. The guys in the back, the cleanliness of the kitchen, the staff, the quality of the food, the food that's cleared off the table, the food that's pulled out of the trash can, whatever. Just saying. That's coming tomorrow on The Morning Show with Preston Scott. The Morning Show with Preston Scott. Chief Financial Officer for the State of Florida, Jimmy Petronas, with us on the morning show. Jimmy, finish this sentence best you can. For every farmers that pulls out of the state, we have... Uh, we have 10 carriers wanting to start up in the state. Okay. I mean, I mean, and, and literally... Farmers, and, and look, I, I'm not in their C-suite. I don't know their their financial decisions that they made. Um, but, you know, Florida's getting 400,000 people uh, a year into the state. 
that is a growing market when people are fleeing New Jersey, New York, California. So these carriers, time is money. They've got to get into markets that are emerging markets in order to try to try to take advantage of the time to return on their investment. So different ones will say, God, let's let's go let's go create an insurance company. Let's jump into the Florida market. Well, different ones came into the market at different times. Some of them have huge overheads. Some of them don't. And and the more overhead they have in raising inflation and raising interest rates is going to less the, lessen the ability they have risk. And you throw in top of it, we're a, a risk prone state. Sure. Uh, with hurricanes. So uh, all that all that being said. I've gotten a lot of interest. There's capital that wants to come into the Florida market. But again, they're going to wait till after November. They're going to wait till after hurricane season. Two two things I want to get to before we finish up today. Let's finish with property yeah. for just a second here. What would you say to a homeowner, because they email me, that they got their company shutting down or their premium has gone to a place where they just cannot afford it? What should they be doing or considering? So um, the legislature over the last two years has pushed out $700 million. We're in the best fiscal health we've ever been, so it's kind of hard. You don't want to create new programs, so you want to try to send money back to the taxpayers. So we put $700 million aside, sales tax exemption on, on windows and doors. But the, the probably the big kicker is the windstorm mitigation inspection. If you've never done one of those, the state pays for it. It's about $150. You can go to my safeflhome.com. You can apply for it. That's uh, an inspection that's a much more thorough inspection in your house. Now, I did mine a few years ago. I paid for it out of my pocket. But my Florida law dictates that if the improvements on your home are not noted on your insurance policy, the carrier must give you a rebate and the carrier must discount your insurance rate. It's the best kept secret in, in Florida. But if you go and get that windstorm mitigation inspection, especially if you've got an older home, you probably have those improvements on there, and your carrier doesn't even know it. What about finding a carrier just in general? So, again, I tell people all the time, if you don't get what you want from your insurance agent, sometimes you need to pick up the phone and call another agent. Different agents have access to different – when we had the last time we had this insurance crisis back in 08 – uh, people would call my office and say, "Pick up the yellow pages." Well, the yellow pages doesn't exist anymore. So you, again, you know, go and go and talk to ideally somebody you go to church with, maybe somebody that that you do uh, athletics with with your kids that you know that's an insurance business. Go talk to somebody that you have a relationship or you have familiarity with, and let them go shop your insurance for you. I appreciate the time, Jimmy. Next time we come back, we're going to switch over and talk a little automobile insurance in the state. But uh, thanks for the job. Uh, first, thank you. The job you're doing, you're doing a great job. And I always appreciate your willingness to come on the show. I'll come on anytime you ask me. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Jimmy Petronas with us this morning, State CFO on the Morning Show with Preston Scott. 46 minutes after the hour, when we come back, New Smyrna Beach. A couple stories to share as we wrap up the program on the Morning Show. Okay, New Smyrna Beach, man recovering after being bitten by a shark while sitting 
in the water. Happened shortly after 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. That's what makes it unusual. He's at the South Jetty. And the day before, guy got bit up pretty seriously at 3 in the afternoon. And um, same area. Now, if you don't know, New Smyrna Beach is one of the busiest beaches for sharks of anywhere around the peninsula of Florida. Anywhere in the Gulf. Here's my connection to this story. When I was a young child, we used to have a home on New Smyrna Beach. My dad and my mom and one of the siblings, two of the siblings would go, we would go. And I was the youngest, so I'm, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old. And every year we'd go down to New Smyrna Beach for spring training when my dad was doing twins baseball. Okay. And so I would get the canvas raft for 25 cents for the day or the nickel or whatever it was. And I was not a great swimmer. So that raft was my best friend. My brother, six years my senior, thought it would be fun to take me out past the breakers. So he puts the little rope that is in the front of the raft in his mouth and starts swimming. Off the coast of New Smyrna Beach. I had no idea I was going to be the inspiration for that scene in the movie Jaws where that little kid in the raft gets munched in half. And so I'm out there, and next thing you know, I'm looking around and I'm not scared. I'm, you know, I'm okay. Only Patrick's back at the beach now, waving at me. And it was then that I realized there's a force in the ocean called a current. I only now know I was heading to Cuba. My house was moving north as I was going south. And I I distinctly remember seeing my mom walk out the back patio on the deck. Patrick! And I I could hear her just barely. I didn't get the full story till I got towed back in. Where's your brother? And he's just pointing. And I'm out to sea. On my way to Cuba. (laughs) Adios. So, long story short, I got brought back in by my brother, who at the time had remarkable buck teeth. And he had to come out and get me. You and had to just slide that in there. I wasn't. <laughs> at the time. Brothers, um, man. I, I, at the time, I was, uh, I, I, was, I was brought back in. I was not traumatized. But I have to tell you that every time I see a story about shark encounters at New Smyrna Beach, I think back to a little boy on a rental raft. Out in the dangerous waters off Florida's coast. Ah, memories. Brought to you by Barino Heating and Air. It's the Morning Show 180 on WFLA. Look back at the program in 180 seconds or less. Today is the nine-year mark of the murder of Dan Markell. It happened nine years ago this morning. Uh, In fact... Less than five minutes from our studio. 
And Charlie Adelson is sitting, waiting for his day in court, which will come in October. I'm not going to say I wish him well or good luck. I wish for justice. Miami TSA officers arrested back a couple weeks ago for stealing money from flyers during screeners screenings here's the way it worked and i know this is just it's probably rogue and it probably is but if you find a tsa agent distracting you you look straight at your luggage pay attention in the sense of if they ask you to raise your hands turn around in the little booth but you keep an eye on your stuff because that's how they were doing it Target's in trouble. They keep losing market shares. Georgia's out of peaches. Mexico's complaining. And we'll do this all again tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.